Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Mr. President, starring Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Edward Arnold. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are the little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Each week, the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations brings you these interesting broadcasts of Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. In just a moment, Mr. Arnold will be with us. But first, I'd like to ask you, how many of our country's past presidents can you identify? Do you know how many presidents have held office? Well, each week, Mr. President brings to life tense and gripping moments in the life of one of our former chief executives, moments that most history books do not record. And you, as the listener, enjoy the thrill of trying to identify the president as another page of history is unfolded in these absorbing and stimulating dramatizations. Mr. President gives you the opportunity to test your knowledge of the men who've lived in the White House. At the close of the program, the name of the president about whom today's episode is based will be announced. But first, try to guess who he is as his story is being told. Now in a moment, Edward Arnold. Edward Arnold as Mr. President. Let's visit him in the White House. It is Sunday, and the old mansion is resting quietly after a busy week. We walk through the great doors under the presidential seal, across the foyer and down the long hall to the president's study. Hello? Sit down, won't you? Did you ever listen to a man sell a piece of property? It always has good soil and the grass grows green. But suppose that same man is buying that same piece of property. <laughs> then the soil's no good and the grass, well, there just isn't any. You see, it's all the point of view, and that's the point of our story today. Later on, of course, I'll tell you which president it really happened to, but meanwhile, you may be able to guess. It happened at a time when I was under vicious attack by members of Congress of my own party. Their real aim was to destroy the powers of the presidency. Near the climax of their campaign, my good friend William Everts came to see me late one afternoon. Mr. President, I am only one mortal man. Well, I expect that's true, Bill. I was up until 4.30 this morning working. I was in my office at 6.30 this same morning working. I've been in my office all day working. Henry Stanbury and I need another man. Oh, I know you're working hard, Bill, but they haven't actually impeached me yet. Mr. President, there's Johns and his tight little group in the Senate. There's Ferguson and his friends in the House. Between them, they can drive almost anything through. Through both houses over you, sir. You're a lawyer, Bill. Politics is never as neat and logical nor as quick as the law. Mr. President, I don't see why... What can I do to make you see your danger? Maybe I think it's simpler than you do, Bill. 
To begin with, I'm on the right side of the argument with John. Simpler? If you're impeached, sir, it will be one of the great cases in our history. Accusers, the House of Representatives, judge and jury, the Senate, defendant, the President of the United States. I beg you to appoint another man to work with Stanbury and myself. Bill, I wish you'd depend less on numbers and more on the tremendous fact that we are right. Rightness being right, truth, if you like, has a way of shining through almost any barrier. Yes, sir, a very interesting reflection. But we have to help truth shine through. And we need another man to do it. Well, all right, Bill, I'll think about it. (laughs) At last. Now I can work all night tonight with an easier mind. (laughs) Well, I'm glad it makes you feel better, Bill. (laughs) Well, please don't lose any time, sir. I won't. (laughs) Goodbye, Miss Sarah. Goodbye, Miss Sarah. Oh, Miss Sarah. Yes, Mr. President. Uh, What sort of a day am I having tomorrow? Oh, not too dull, not too interesting, sir. You, uh... You didn't quite mean what you said to Mr. Everts, did you, Mr. President? Were you listening? Well, the door was open and neither of you were whispering. Did you mean it, Mr. President? Well, I had to tell him something, but he exaggerates the whole thing. Exaggerates how much work he and Mr. Stanberry are having to do? Among other things. You... You never exaggerate, do you, Mr. President? I don't think so. Why? You're not exaggerating how easy your defense will be? Well, I may never need it, Miss Sarah. I see. Now, uh, what appointments have I got for tomorrow? Well, uh, first a congressional committee on the postal laws, then a housewife from Chicago with a cake in the shape of a railroad steam engine, <laughs> then Judge Jeremiah Black to discuss a petition involving the Dominican Republic. Mr. President, Judge Jeremiah Black, by appointment. Oh, thank you, Miss Sarah. Good morning, Judge Black. President, this seems like old times. When you were Attorney General? I was often in this room. It's good to be here again. Well, now, how can I help you this morning? My client serves the Patterson Company of Baltimore, and the matter I have in mind has to do with foreign relations, which is why I've come straight to you with it. And very properly. What is it? On the edge of the Caribbean Sea, off the coast of the Dominican Republic, lies a tiny island that's rich in certain natural resources. Called Alta Vela. Mm-hmm. Some time ago, the Dominican government leased the exploitation rights of Alta Vela to some Americans, and they've been working it. Profitably? I imagine so, sir. The difficulty is that their legal title to the island is far from clear. Well, haven't they got a lease from the Dominican Republic? Now, that's the nub of the question, sir. That country, as you know, has been distracted by revolution. The Americans now on the island got their lease from one of those brief revolutionary regimes. But my client, the Patterson Company, also has a lease on Alta Vela. From the same regime? No, sir, from the original government. Naturally, my client wants to have his lease enforced. <laughs> well, Mr. Black, you've come to the wrong president. You ought to be making this plea in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> <laughs> well, their present government, we believe, has no jurisdiction over Alta Vela. We say it belongs to the United States. Mm, the Dominican Republic may not agree with you. And what we want, sir, is for this government to send a naval vessel to possess the island and to enforce our lease. You want me to use force? Well, it wouldn't be an act of conquest, sir. Only an act of enforcing legal rights because the island is properly in American possession. And your client wants to be installed on it? Provided only our case is just. I know you'll find it so. Here are the papers, sir. Mm, thank you. Mm-hmm. Fine. Now... I want to talk about something else. I'm not sure how good your case oh, is. please don't prejudge it. I'm not sure how good your case is, but I like one thing about your presentation of it. You're willing for me to decide it on its merits, on whether or not it's just. Any man who is right can rely on justice, Mr. President. Judge Black, uh, you know that certain men in the Senate and in the House plan to impeach me. 
I understand from Senator Johns that it's more than a plan, Mr. President. Oh, are you friendly with him? I know him. But I don't think his charges are founded either on fact or on law. I think his passions are carrying him away. Then, uh, how would you like to join my legal staff? I? Yeah. Bill Everts and Henry Stamberg need a man of your standing and opinions. What do you say? Why, sir, I, I, I'm overwhelmed. It would be a, a great honor. Oh, never mind that. When, you can, uh, when can you start to work? Immediately, sir. I don't quite know how to thank you. Well, just, just help get up a good case, Judge, that's all. In the meantime, I'll put Everts to work on the records of your Altavela claim. I'll try to give you a quick decision. quite know how to say this. What's the trouble, Bill? Well, I was enthusiastic when you first engaged Jeremiah Black as associate counsel. Now I... Well, it's this Alta Vela business. Well, what about it? Well, to begin with, when Black was attorney general, a similar case came before him and he ruled against it. Oh, so now he's on the opposite side of his own fence. Exactly, but there's nothing wrong in that. Something else worries me. The Alta Vela claim is a big case. The Patterson Company has powerful connections here in Washington. Suppose you reject Black's petition. All right. Suppose I do. Well, he'll have to fight you on that, while at the same time he has to defend you in your own case. Now, very few men can walk a tightrope like Uh, that. Ah, Bill, I think you're exaggerating again. Exaggerating? This is a big government, and lots of different things go on in it at the same time. Besides, I think Black's a big enough man not to let himself be treated. Maybe so, but why run the risk? I don't see any big risk, Bill. I'm going to make up my mind about the Aldevela claim without regard to anything but its merits. I expect Black to act the same way. Mr. President, I don't think you're deciding my petition on its merits. In view of the facts I've marshaled, in view of the principles of law at stake, how can you rule against it, sir? Judge Black, I'll give you one legal reason. My staff and I are satisfied that the lease held by the men now on uh, Alta Vela is sound. And that the lease of the Patterson Company, your client, is defective. Oh, but now, just a moment, just a moment. I have two other reasons, Judge Black. One is that if the United States sent a vessel to seize Alta Vela, we'd only be using our strength unfairly against the weakness of the Dominican Republic. It would be little better than land-grabbing on the European style. But not if you... And if... Now, just a moment. I have a third reason. Founded on simple justice, you believe your case is just, but I don't agree. I don't believe justice is made up of a complicated construction of legal reasoning. When a case is just, it's justice, it's rightness, it has a way of shining through, plain to see. You understand me? I understand the words, sir, but I disagree with the sense. If American citizens can't expect justice from their own government, where can they look? When you were Attorney General Judge Black and ruled on a case similar to this, you had a contrary idea of where justice lay. The circumstances of that case were entirely different. Sir. Are you sure you're not changing your idea of justice to suit your own interests? Cutting the pattern to fit the cloth? Mr. President... It's my duty as a lawyer to present my client's case in the best possible light, but I have founded it on simple right. Unprovoked force can never be right. How can you say it would be unprovoked? Aren't my clients being robbed? Aren't they being deprived of property without due process? Mr. Black, I want to consider this matter closed and not discussed any more between us. As you say, Mr. President. Thank you. Now, tell me, how are you getting on with Everts and Stanbury? If it's agreeable to you, I'd like to have a general meeting toward the end of the week to see where we stand. Patterson, I'm very sorry, but this morning the president ruled against you. Very quick, wasn't it? 
Isn't there any court of appeal? <laughs> the Constitution charges the president with sole responsibility for foreign relations. I've learned in business, if you can't do a thing one way, there's always another. Black, we think we can make about $10 million out of Alta Vela in the next 10 years if we get our hands on it. Yesterday, my partners and I put aside one and a half percent of that figure as a fund to keep on pushing our claim. Don't give up easily, do you, Mr. Patterson? You know Senator Johns, don't you? Yes. Do you think he's in favor of our claim? Johns always believes in American expansion. Get his opinion of our claim in a letter. Then see if John's political friends won't sign the letter, too. I see what you're driving at, and it might work, but... No. No, the president would hardly be impressed with the opinions of those men. Mr. Black, people do strange things. How do you know it won't make him change his mind? Get the letter, Mr. Black, and send it to the president. John, sit down, sir. Ferguson, you didn't sign that letter to Jeremiah Black about the Aldevela claim. Well, frankly, I don't see what good it'd do. The president doesn't care what we think. Don't be a fool, Ferguson. It can help our friend Black, our friend Patterson, and it can embarrass the president. Now sign it, man. I want to get other signatures on it, too. Mr. President, this letter just came for you by special messenger, sir. Oh, thank you. From Black? Hmm. Dear Mr. President, my client in the Alta Vela case has supplied me with the enclosed letter written by Senator Johns and signed, as you will see, by three other gentlemen. I'm sure you'll... Huh. What's Black up to with Senator Johns? What does Senator Johns' letter say? Well, it's addressed to Mr. Patterson. Dear Mr. Patterson, I am clearly of the opinion that under the claim of the United States, its citizens have the exclusive right to exploit the natural resources of Alta Vela. I cannot understand why the president did not long since assert the rights of his government and sustain the rightful claims of its citizens to the possession of the island in the most forcible manner consistent with the dignity and honor of the nation. <laughs> Signed, Ellery H. Johns, L.K. Ferguson... Well, I thought Portland. you refused Mr. Black's petition, Mr. President. Yes, I did, I did, but I don't understand this. Here are four signatures, four men who are my bitter enemies, men who want to destroy the powers of the presidential office and who want to impeach me because I oppose them. Still, they write this letter intended for me to see, asking me to rule in their favor at the same moment that they're trying to force me out of the White House. I don't understand it. Well, it must be a trick, Mr. President. A trick, Miss Sarah? Oh, no. I think it's more in the nature of a hint. What are they hinting at? Maybe a sort of a bribe. Or perhaps a better word would be bargain. Bargain? Yes. Suppose I approve the Aldevela Award. Suppose those who ask it, are the leaders in the impeachment proceedings. You mean they would drop the impeachment charges against you if... Quite a proposition, isn't it? And subtle, too. Well, you, you've got to be practical, sir. It isn't much of a compromise. You want me to buy those men with Patterson's money? Well, you did think at one time the claim had merit, sir, and, and you can save yourself from everything you're going through. Miss Sarah, uh, tell Mr. Jeremiah Black I want to see him tomorrow morning. <laughs> In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Whenever there's a shortage of anything, stands to reason that someone will be forced to do without. Right now, there's a tremendous demand for petroleum products. In fact, the greatest in history. To meet this demand, the oil industry is supplying more petroleum products than ever before, but still not enough to satisfy the demand. But remember this. 
There's no need for anyone to do without vital fuel oil. So do your share. Help by protecting your own supply of fuel oil and don't waste a drop. You can save fuel oil in four easy ways. First, during the day, keep room temperatures at 68 degrees. At night, 60 or below. Second, keep windows and doors closed. Third, shut off rooms not in use. And last, keep your shades drawn at night. Remember, save fuel oil. Only if everyone saves will there be enough to go around. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. I suppose you may have guessed by now which president this story happened to. But wait and see if you're right. Early the next morning, though I didn't know it, Jeremiah Black was outside my study talking to Miss Sarah. Miss Sarah, doesn't the president know I'm here? Yes, he does, Mr. Black. But Secretary of State Swift had some urgent matters to discuss with him. They won't be long now, I'm sure. May I have a piece of notepaper, please? Yes, of course. Will this do? Thank you. A pen? Thank you. I'll have to leave this note for the president. Quite short. Leave it for him, Mr. Black. You'll be seeing him in a moment or so. I'm sorry, Miss Sarah. I'll have to come back later. Please apologize to the president for me, will you? Uh, Do you want me to give him that note? The note? Oh, this? No. No, I've changed my mind, Miss Sarah. The wastebasket's a better place for it. I'll be back later in the morning, Miss Sarah. Later in the morning. He said he'd come back later this morning, Miss Sarah? Yes, he seemed very agitated, sir. What do you make of it, Bill? Well, he must have been mixed up with that letter. Now he's afraid to face you, sir. Well, that's hard to believe of Black. Mr. President, meanwhile, there's our work to be done. The House Impeachment Committee is preparing 11 specific charges. Yes, I know, I know. Mr. President, can I possibly change your mind about the Alta Vela Award? Miss Sarah, have you been talking to Bill again? Well, No, this I... was my doing, sir. There's some weight in what she says. But I uh, ought to be practical. Mr. Everts, I have to live with myself. But maybe you have a higher duty then to yourself. To the office I hold? That's just the point. I can't bargain its rights away to save my personal skin. No matter what happens, sir, whether you win or lose, it will ruin the rest of your term. Isn't that worth anything? I'm thinking of the presidents who'll come after me. Johns and his friends are after a lot more than just me. They want to change the structure of our government. They want to destroy our great system of three equal branches and make Congress the sole ruler. That would be just as dangerous as our having no Supreme Court or as the president being too powerful. If I can win that fight, Miss Sarah, the rest of my term is a very cheap price to pay. Mr. President, do you want me to send for Mr. Black? No. I want to see what he'll do by himself. We'll just wait and see. this in the Chronicle, sir? What is it? Jeremiah Black, defense counsel for the president, is said to have given him this message. Unless you can do something for your friends, it is useless for me to apply my personal and professional powers any longer where defeat stares us in the face. Hmm. Did Mr. Black ever say anything like that to you, sir? No, you know I haven't seen him for two days. Oh, I'm just remembering something. The other morning while Mr. Black was waiting for you, he scribbled a note for you and then changed his mind and threw it into the wastebasket. And you think somebody found it? Well, he himself may have remembered and bribed one of the houseboys to find it. You know, that article brings up some interesting questions, Miss Sarah. Why is he spreading the idea that I'm licked before the fight even starts? 
Mr. Everts would say, to make you realize that with Black, your chances are better than without him. Therefore... Therefore, I ought to approve the Altavela claim now, just to keep Black as my counsel? Yes. Uh, he's picked the wrong man to try these games on, Miss Sarah. Won't you let me send for him? No, that's what he wants me to do. But I'm still going to wait him out. Oh, Mr. President, just just look at these papers. Yes, Miss Sarah, what do they say? Oh, just listen, sir. Quarrel rumored between President and Council Black. <laughs> rumored? <laughs> yes. Uh, and this one. Jeremiah Black fails to attend meetings of President's defense staff. <laughs> Is Black dropping President's case? Is President too guilty for him to defend? <laughs> Mr. President, they will stop it. Oh. I'll see who it is, will you please, Miss Sarah? Yes, will you excuse me? Miss Sarah, I'd like to see the President. Judge Black, Mr. President. Well, you've come at a most opportune moment, Mr. Black. Mr. President, I assure you I have no part in this newspaper campaign against you. Haven't you, Mr. Black? The whole situation of the past few days has distressed me terribly. It's distressed me, too. In fact, sir, that's why I've avoided coming here. I simply needed time to organize my thoughts. Are they organized now? Mr. President, I thought at first I could keep these two matters separate. The Altavela claim and your impeachment defense. You yourself thought so. Well, were we wrong, Black? Uh, it isn't what you think, sir. You don't know what I think. I'm sure I do. You believe I was trying to blackmail you with that letter from Johns and the rest. Frankly, I took it as a hint that if I approved your claim, the impeachment proceedings against me might be dropped. No such idea ever entered my head. It certainly entered somebody's. Wasn't it your idea? No, sir. It... Well, that's not important now, sir. My attitude today and from now on is based on only one thing, justice. Everyone is always in favor of justice, just as everyone is against sin. The trouble is everyone is different, and they have different ideas of sin and of justice. I am quite clear. Oh, you're a rare man. Tell me. I believe the Altavela claim of the Patterson Company to be absolutely, unquestionably just. If you refuse to grant that claim... I must virtually decline to act as your counsel. My approval of the claim is a condition of your employment, is that right? Oh, no, sir. I do not make it a condition, but I'm so convinced of the justice of the claim that your decision against it would be a misfortune for me. But I don't want any decision that doesn't meet your sense of right and justice. Again, that question of justice. Justice to whom? Justice to everybody. I believe your claim to be just. I believe your defense to be just. Mr. Black, I depended on your sense of honor to keep the, the things unrelated. And I will admit the point did bother your conscience. But what happened to dull your conscience? What made you st uh, stop to to start threats and innuendo and blackmail? Those are dangerous words to use. With I you, know sir. the answer to those questions now. You deceive yourself with words. In your heart, you know you've tried rascally tricks on me. Yet you walk in here with high-sounding talk of justice. Do you believe what you're saying, or do you take me for a fool, Mr. President? How dare you talk to me like a schoolboy? You talk about justice. Justice. Money, you mean, for Patterson, for yourself, for I don't know who else. But justice isn't one thing today and another thing tomorrow. If it's wrong for one man to steal from a mother, another, it's wrong for the United States to steal from a small, distracted country. But I never once heard you talk about that kind of justice. You have no monopoly on honesty, sir, and I object to your talking to me as if you did. I'm a simple man, Mr. Black. Right is right and wrong is wrong, and there is no middle ground where you're trying to stand. You seem to think that because I'm in trouble, you could force me to do something I wouldn't ordinarily do. But I'm not going to join you in the middle of the ground, and I won't make my country join you there either. Mr. President, you're a stubborn, self-righteous man. 
No wonder you've driven them to impeach you. I'm not worried anymore. There are always more of us, including the Congress of the United States, than there are of you. Good day, Mr. Black. Mr. President. Mr. President, you shouldn't be here. Is the Senate in session yet, Bill? They began a few minutes ago, sir. Yeah, I think I'm going in, Bill, and face them with you. Well, you can't humiliate yourself, sir. You're the President of the United States. A man shall be tried by a jury of his equals, Bill. I'm no better than the Senate, and the Senate's no better than any other man. President. What President. is it? President, I was afraid you'd come here, sir. Afraid? Why shouldn't I be here? Miss Sarah, don't let him stay. Please come back to the White House, Mr. President. If it goes against you, I wouldn't be able to... Miss Sarah, you're getting silly and womanish. Oh, you can be so stubborn. Well, when Mr. Black said it, you didn't agree. That was different. Now, please come away, Mr. President. Mm, but maybe Bill needs help here. Those, those men are hard. He has help. He has a just case, and justice always shines through any barrier. Now they're opening the doors. Senator Johns is speaking. I'm going in, sir. A very serious matter. Before the Senate of the United States, the President is charged with usurpation of the law, high crimes, and misdemeanors. Is counsel for the President in the chamber? Yes, Senator Johns. Mr. Black, ready to make the opening address for the defense? Mr. Black is not with us, Senator Johns. Black is here. We are not as fully represented as I would like, Senator. But we are ready to depend on the simple justice of our case to shine through any barrier. Uh, Miss Sarah, you said that a moment ago. You forget. You said it first, Mr. President. Oh, did I? Mm hmm. That's pretty good. Simple justice will shine through any barrier. All right, Miss Sarah. Now we can go back to the White House. Come on. Well, you've probably figured out by now who I was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and I'll tell you the answer in just a moment. For the third consecutive season, the curtain has gone up on Theater Guild on the air. ABC is proud to bring you this stellar program every Sunday night. For Theater Guild on the air has set a high standard for entertainment since its initial broadcast. Behind each fine broadcast of Theater Guild is a lot of preparation. First, a play is selected, usually one that's been a success on Broadway. Then it's adapted to radio by top-flight writers and cast with well-known stars. After that comes the long period of rehearsals under the expert guidance of well-known directors and producers. And when Sunday night rolls round, you can expect an hour of fine entertainment. Don't miss out on tonight's performance of Theater Guild on the Air, broadcast over most of these ABC stations. Now, here is Edward Arnold. time of our story tonight was 1868, and Andrew Johnson lived in the White House then as Mr. President. The only president who was ever impeached. The campaign against him was one of the most vicious ever waged against a president, but he won acquittal. It isn't generally realized that his fight against a few political schemers completely smashed their plans. The simple man who began life as an illiterate tailor was too much for even his shrewd enemies and in later years was honored by election to the Senate from his native state of Tennessee. 
Come and see me again next Sunday, won't you? I'll have another story for you about Mr. President that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Goodbye. Edward Arnold appears by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of High Wall, starring Robert Taylor, Audrey Totter, and Herbert Marshall. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. It is produced and directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah was played by Betty Lou Gerson. Tonight's story by Paul R. Milton was suggested by incidents in the administration of President Andrew Johnson. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Madden. Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another true story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.